Welcome to our first edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to search the scriptures with us. Join us for our ongoing discussion as we investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God. We're glad you joined us for a few minutes of scripture searching together. Our purpose in these radio discussions is to invite radio listeners everywhere to become involved with the Bible at first hand. Now, I'm fully aware that for many of you, the Bible may appear a strange and remote set of documents, having little or no relevance to your present existence. For others, on the other hand, the Bible is a book of immense comfort and support as you make your way through the journey of life. For some, your feelings about the Bible are strongly conditioned by your feelings about the church in general. You may have had an unfortunate experience with church-going, you may have developed an idea about Christianity on the basis of your dealings with those claiming to be followers of Jesus. But if you're honest, you'll have to admit that there are wonderful examples in the churches as well as outside. There are some who magnificently live up to the faith they confess, and there are others who use religion as a cover for self-righteousness. And there are others again who call on God only as a last resort, and care little about him when things seem to be sailing along well. But my point is simply this. You owe it to yourself to become involved with the Bible at first hand. There's a reason you know why the Bible is still a bestseller. You cannot afford to form your opinion of Christianity, as Jesus preached and taught it, on the basis of anything other than your own personal first-hand investigation of the actual Christian documents themselves. Now, there are many of you, I believe, who have never actually studied the Scriptures. Oh, you may have read a verse or two, you may have some verses on the fridge and so on, but have you really studied and investigated the Scriptures? Now, the Scriptures, as you know, are available to you in current times in abundance as never before. In this information age, you can obtain access to the words of Jesus with hardly any effort Bibles are available in a profusion of different translations. They come with notes and helps, some useful, others rather misleading. But the original Christian faith, as propagated by Jesus and his chosen apostles, is yours, at least in this sense, that the recorded message of Jesus is a matter of easy access. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't need some guidance to understand it. And you're going to have to make a concerted effort to study the words and teachings of Jesus for yourself. You're going to have to ponder them, meditate upon them, make them part of your life, investigate them, as the Bereans did in Acts 17 and verse 11. You have to search out the meaning of what Jesus says, but I can guarantee that your effort to become acquainted with the words and the works of Jesus will be richly rewarded. You cannot afford to remain indifferent to the extraordinary claims of the man from Nazareth, nor can you assume that the impressions you've gained so far of his teaching are in all respects accurate. You must be willing to be challenged, to look again, and thus to grow in your understanding and appreciation of the man who claimed to be the Messiah or the Christ or King of Israel. With that then as an introduction, let's get right into our subject. What was the message 
What was the gospel message that occupied the time of Jesus so fully? Can we answer that from the records of the New Testament? Well, we certainly can. It's surprising to me that some of the most basic and enlightening verses of the New Testament very seldom seem to get any publicity. Let me give you an example. Let's ask the question, what was the concern of Jesus of Nazareth? What was the driving force behind his ministry? Now we can answer that question very simply. If you have access to a Bible, it doesn't matter what translation, turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4 and verse 43. Luke, you remember, is the third book in our New Testament. Turn to Luke 4, verse 43. In this very remarkable verse, Jesus, so to speak, unpacked his mind for us. He opened up the very heart of what he felt was the very driving force behind his whole mission. In that verse, Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus said the following thing, I must proclaim the gospel about the kingdom of God to the other cities also. That's the reason for which I was sent. That's why God sent me. Now let me paraphrase for you. In this particular context, Luke 4, verse 43, the people were so entranced and enchanted by Jesus' teaching that they tried to retain him in their own town. And then in response, Jesus made this remarkable statement. He said, I must proclaim the gospel about the kingdom of God to the other cities also. That's why God commissioned me. So we see from this verse that the whole purpose of Jesus' mission, the driving force behind his work, was what he called the proclaiming or preaching or public announcement of the good news or gospel about the kingdom of God. Now I want you to notice something most important here. Jesus didn't just say that he was teaching about the kingdom of God. He used a word there, as we find in the Greek language, which has to do with the gospel. It has to do with evangelism. And so Jesus in this text says that he must evangelize or preach the gospel about the kingdom of God. And that, he said, was the point of his whole work. Now, surely this is a most instructive verse. You really can't get more basic than to ask, what drove Jesus and his mission? Here we have a completely clear answer, at least as far as simple words are concerned. As to the meaning, of course, of the term kingdom of God, we'll have to wait for further occasions to get into that. But let's establish at the outset, as a basis for our series of programs, the simple fact that Jesus himself said that the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom was the basis of his whole mission, the basis, therefore, of Christianity, because all, I think, will agree that Christianity was founded by Jesus the Christ. It's the religion of Jesus Christ as well as the religion about Jesus Christ, not that those two things really ought to be different. Let's think now about what the apostles taught as the Christian faith. Quite remarkably, we find a complete unity between what Jesus taught as the gospel and what the apostles taught as the gospel after the death and resurrection of Jesus. I have to remind you, of course, that part of our Christian documents deal with the historical ministry of Jesus himself. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John tell us what Jesus was doing for that approximately 
three and a half years, as it probably was, before they nailed him on a cross because he was a threat, a political threat, in fact, to the Roman government, and as unpopular with his own Jewish people. So during that three and a half years, Jesus was occupied, as we've seen, with the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. Now, some have thought, and even taught this, that after that time, after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the gospel message was altered or changed. Nothing, my friends, could be further from the truth. If you've been led to believe that the gospel as Jesus preached it is not the gospel that we're supposed to preach and believe now, I invite you to have another look. In the book of Acts, which of course describes the work of the church after the death and resurrection of Jesus, we find a most interesting text. I'm referring now to Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. In Acts 8 verse 12, we have a report of what Philip, the evangelist, was preaching as he sought to make converts to the Christian faith. Acts 8 verse 12, and again you can read this in any translation, the gist of what is said there will be clear, I think. It doesn't matter what version you're using. Here we find these words. When they believed Philip as he was preaching the gospel about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were getting baptized, both men and women. Acts 8, verse 12. Now here we have what theologians, Bible experts would call an early creedal statement a basic statement, a fundamental encapsulation, if you like, of the work of the Christian ministry after the death of Christ. Now, it really is a most revealing verse. And again, I'm surprised it doesn't get more press or airing in discussions of the Christian faith, because it illuminates, in a quite remarkable way, the very foundation of the Christian faith that we're seeking to understand. It tells us in very simple terms what sort of evangelism was going on in the early church in the book of Acts. Let me read that verse again, Acts 8, verse 12. When they believed Philip as he was preaching the gospel about the kingdom of God and about the name of Jesus, they were getting baptized, both men and women alike. Now, I hardly need to say that Christianity is about faith. But faith, you know, is perhaps itself an unfortunate word because for some it sounds a bit churchy and a bit religious in an unfortunate sense. But faith means simply believing. It has to do with believing. Now, all of us know what believing is. We either believe someone or we don't. Faith, then, is simply believing, subscribing to an idea, giving credence to what somebody says. Now, it's obvious that in the Bible we're being asked to believe certain quite specific things. So one of the most basic questions we can ask ourselves about Christianity is, what is it that I'm supposed to believe in order to become a Christian? What, in other words, is the meaning of faith? What is the content of faith? Immediately then we're driven to the word that we introduced at the outset of our discussion today, the word gospel or good news. Gospel, as you probably know, is an old-fashioned English word which has been retained in our language because it's so famous and so basic. But it simply means good news. 
Now, it doesn't take very much biblical education to recognize the fact that the word gospel is the key to the whole of our biblical documents. Jesus always preached the gospel. The apostles always preached the gospel. That was the way they attracted members to the church, to the society of Christians. That was the way that God, they knew, was inviting people, men and women of all nations, races and creeds, into participation in God's own great plan and purpose for the world. So then let's summarize. We're inviting you in these programs, concentrating on the favorite topic of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom, to ask some fundamental questions about your faith. We want you to go back to basics and check your foundations. We've been pointing out that the agenda of Jesus Christ centered on what he called the gospel about the kingdom of God. We noticed that in the early days of the church, people were expected to confess belief in the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus before they were baptized. And they were baptized, of course, in biblical times as adults, as people intelligently understanding the gospel, and they were baptized by being immersed in water. Acts 8 and verse 12 gives you that elementary fact about the Christian gospel. I've written a book on the kingdom of God entitled The Coming Kingdom of the Messiah, A Solution to the Riddle of the New Testament. We invite you to request from us a free copy for your personal Bible study at home. Meanwhile, join us again as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.